Remember that you can support the podcast via Patreon. The link is below. Otherwise, stay tuned for the podcast starting now. So today for uh, the podcast, I'm joined by Odin Moja, a.k.a. Wotan, a.k.a. King Wotan, a.k.a. Whiskey Wotan. I think that's all of them. Yeah, that's that's the. I mean, those are the nicer names people call me. <laughs> so that's those are some of the nicer names. Um. So yeah, I just kind of an impromptu chat with you about well everything really. Um, everything. Um, but like one of the first things, obviously, a hot topic now in SA is like the lockdown and that. Um, and I know you are in software, software development. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I'm a computer scientist by training, but I, I obviously that doesn't pay many bills. So I, um, I, uh, well, it does if you're in R and D, like if you're an American computer scientist or a British computer scientist, and you're in R and D. But here it doesn't. So uh, by by day, I'm a, I'm a software engineer to to pay the bills. But yeah, so you're you haven't been really too affected by the lockdown on that. No, actually, in a strange way. I mean, I, I live in Pretoria and I, my, my clients are in Joburg. Excuse me. And uh, up until now, I had to drive roughly, if I'm lucky, 40 minutes to, to an hour and a half every day, just one way to work. So with this lockdown, I'm um, down to zero and I can wear whatever pajama pants I want to meetings. I can, you know, I can sit around and be as comfortable as I'd like. And of course, there's there's the extra hour of sleep. So yeah, I, I, I'm in a way enjoying it, but uh, not so much also with the amount of government repression going on. Software development side of things or, or your your profession, I guess, yeah, working at home is, is more efficient then. So you... Yeah, yeah. I mean, for a lot of us, not every, I wouldn't say every software engineer, but a lot of us are, uh, I mean, I always say one of the quickest ways to demoralize a good software engineer is to micromanage them. So uh, the ability to, I mean, we're very privileged and and I do mean in the absolute meaning of the word in this specific instance, not in like a social studies grievances sort of meaning, but actually privileged in this instance and that we in, in my industries well, in my industry, have uh, the ability to continue working. And a lot of us actually work better from home because we're comfortable, we're in our element. No no manager breathing over our shoulder, although there are some great uh, software engineering managers out there. And um, also, our, our, even if it's our, our, our skill set, what we produce is sort of an essential service. And even if it wasn't, we can perform it without coming into contact with people and the d- demand for it hasn't exactly dropped off. So very privileged. And for yourself, like, yeah, going forward, um, I, I don't know if you are at a big corporate now or maybe a smaller firm, but like, what is your, do you have like a long-term goal that you, yeah, that, that you have written down for yourself kind of thing? Like, do you want to go work for a Google kind of thing or do you want to work for a somewhere else in, in the world, like America or elsewhere? I certainly wouldn't mind working in the States. I, I, I really enjoy the US. I think it's a very interesting sort of roller coaster ride country. And uh, I Google, maybe not, actually. I mean, look, a lot of people 
want things like Apple or Google on this resume, and I get it. I mean, but you have to remember the average tenure, at least the last time I checked at Google is about a year and a half, and then people leave. And people are blown away by that. I'm like, it actually makes perfect sense because when you're at Google, you're a big fish, you're a big smart fish in a big pond filled with even bigger, smarter fish. So the the pressure and everything, despite their cool employee benefits, the, the pressure and everything at Google is insane. People just go there to get it on their resume, knock that out, and then they go to somewhere slightly smaller um, to, to, to demand any paycheck they want. So if I had to choose, I'd actually just go work for something like um, uh, Raytheon Labs. If we're going to go to America, I'd work for like Raytheon Labs or something like that. So then I get to do some fun R&D and it's, it's less pressured like Google. So yeah, long-term goal, yeah, maybe move into research and development more heavily as opposed to commercial software engineering. And one thing, that, a term that always gets me is... Is there a difference between when people speak of a programmer and a developer? Because obviously, well, there, there must be a difference, but is what is the difference? Okay, so it depends on the situation. In a lot of situations, programmers and developers are pretty much the same thing. It's, it's interchangeable. The difference is when you start using terms like software engineer and computer scientist. Uh, so let me just abstract this for a second. So let's say... Um, you were part of an apprenticeship program and you learn how to weld and lay bricks and all that very, very well. And then from there, you get a scholarship to go to varsity and, and then you become an, an engineer or an architect. A software engineer or a computer scientist understands the architecture of, of things like circuitry, uh, of, of how uh, algorithms work and things like that. Whereas a pure programmer, which is, again, not to denigrate them, would be the person who never went to Varsity. They just stopped at laying bricks and welding. If you, if you laid bricks and welded and then you learned architecture, you learned how much pressure an arc can take, that sort of stuff. That's the difference between a computer scientist and a, and a, and a programmer. And, uh, yeah. Okay. That's quite interesting and nice to know because, yeah, I, I, I generally tend to use them interchangeably, but it's, yeah, nice to know the difference. Yeah, um, I mean, all, all computer scientists are programmers, but not all programmers are computer scientists. Like, I, 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 know, I know, for example, um, things like, I don't know, how to build my own goal-seek algorithm or how to, or, or, how, or, why, or why computers work a certain way in binary, for example, or you know, how certain circuitry starts to affect itself when you get to really low level sort of um, assembly language type of stuff. That's when, or, or what a compiler does or how a compiler breaks down computer languages. That's, that's what I understand. Somebody who's a pure programmer can still be great at their job, but they don't really understand what a compiler does to translate uh, computer programming languages into something the machine can understand. Okay. And one of the things I forgot to mention as well is that it, it is a, a Friday late afternoon. Um, so have you poured yourself your first drink yet for the day or was it? Yeah, I'm actually oh. pouring it out now. Yeah, this... Okay. I, I, I'm, su I'm surprised I haven't heard the, the clunking of ice yet. So. Ah, uh, no, I'm, 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 I'm rationing my whiskey. I've got this, this, this liqueur shots called, uh, porn star shots I, I i i 
I shout out to. It's basically passion fruit and vodka. And the only reason I'm drinking it is because I got it sent to me for free and um, I'm just rationing my, my, my liquor at the moment. Uh, you and every other South African, I guess. Yeah, apparently we we really are in the 1920s again because we have we have plague and prohibition. So you know. Yeah. Do, do you think that? Well, I I kind of think I, I know what you're going to say. Do, do you think that was quite a stupid move? It was <laughs> yeah. horrendously dumb move. It was it was Hugh Grant cheating on Elizabeth Hurley with a hooker. Dumb move. It is just so stupid. Do you, I mean, I, I shudder to think, let's assume, and and there's, and we're starting to get the information that a lot of us may have already had this and, and gotten over it or have been asymptomatic, had a mild variant of this, then we, then we know as, as the amount of testing ramps up. That being said, do, do, do you not shudder to think how many people transferred to each other as this panic buying for alcohol set in? Do you not? Uh, <laughs> and also, if, if your goal is to keep the populace sort of docile, do you not think that is it is sort of a monumentally stupid move to ban them from having alcohol? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I get why they did it in a way. They said because in South Africa, a large part of the consumption happens around chabines and, and, and taverns and that sort of thing. Fine, great. Then just allow them to keep selling, but have them mandate that people must just go home. Because I'm pretty sure a lot of people are quite happy to sit in their yard and chat to their neighbor across their fence or whatever, and and still sip their drink. Yeah, I, I don't see how you know, stopping people from drinking alcohol, buying cigarettes has is gonna yeah affect things too much. Beside the fact that you mentioned, so yeah, for for it, and and for like, for. Yeah, shops not to be allowed to sell sell these things either, like your your pick and pay kind of thing or shop whatever wherever you shop kind of thing, for them to be not be able to sell these like pretty much everyday items just because of what the government says is just yeah quite ridiculous. And honestly, it's I mean we've I've already seen on I mean obviously social media is only so verifiable, but this this morning I started seeing pictures of shops that had been broken into, sort of cut and bent open. And people just, uh, you know, just stealing stacks and stacks and cartons of cigarettes, you know. So it's just going to ramp up crime then for at and at, at these certain places. Yeah. Um. So, do you think the lockdown is going to be effective in combating the this like the spread of the coronavirus? Because it seems like from South Africa's perspective, at if, if you look at where other countries around the globe are with case numbers, um, like similar around the 1,400 uh, case mark, um, they, they've got like around the 40, 40 to 50 uh, death toll already. Uh, and South Africa is like sitting at five. Um, so it's like way down. Um, do you think that's partly just yeah, government probably bad data. Uh, okay, so off the cuff, I controversial but not controversial opinion. I do not trust the numbers in North Korea, Russia, or China. Just flat out. <laughs> uh, I don't I, think anyone we are does. <laughs> I don't trust our own South African government's numbers of five. But by the way, three people have already been killed by the security forces. 
um, keeping people in check. Uh, and I, I saw a video of the, the army shooting dogs in, in the Cape Flats. One dude got shot by the cops while sitting on his veranda on his porch. So, you know, way to go status and then you're bootlicking. But um, yeah, five, I, I think it's higher than that, probably. But um, I think the real issue is, of course, South Africa has an incredibly immunocompromised population in, in a lot of our townships or slums or projects or whatever you want to call it in your, in your locale. And um, because of the rate of HIV and TV, we have an incredibly immunocompromised population. So do I think the lockdown is going to be effective? Given the fact that the, the, the Minister of Transport just said taxis can now drive around 70% full. So let's say you've got a 10-person 10, 10 taxi, you know, it's, it's seven people instead of 10. I mean, I don't know what the difference in terms of transmission is there, but I, I supremely doubt it. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be limited um, in its ability. I mean, the, the people that are really obeying the lockdown are sort of upper middle class people who probably don't have a high prevalence of immuno diseases, maybe like some heart disease or high blood pressure here. But I mean, economically, the people that are stuck in their townhouses or complex or duplex or, or suburbs or gated communities, they, they, they're actually pretty healthy anyway, and they eat a much healthier sort of diet and all that than your average person in a township. So the people who are actually obeying the lockdown per se um, are actually the people more likely to survive contracting it. Whereas, you know, the people that you see now on Twitter and Twitter posts, there's thousands of people, just, just a video from Rustenburg, Hundreds of people still walking around as if lockdown weren't a thing. So, no, I don't think it'll be as effective in stopping the the, the sort of uh, infection rate. I think the saving grace will be if this thing doesn't turn out to be as deadly as we initially thought it was. Yeah, like there's also from, I think it's Sweden and like places like Switzerland and that they aren't like imposing like heavy lockdown restrictions on that. They're just saying like if you do show symptoms, just stay at home for like, a week or two um and they from the stats it looks like they aren't having like a huge uh a huge impact or it's, it's not making it any worse should i say uh in those countries than the countries that are having these major lockdowns um like like the uk here we, we are a bit more lenient than south africa we are allowed to go out uh to exercise um but generally yeah i guess or from what I've seen as well, people just follow the rules here a bit better, I guess. Um, yeah, obviously you can't compare like South Africa to the UK and that, um, but generally people have followed suit when yeah, the government says like stay at home and that like everyone just kind of listens. Um, yeah. I think the UK population is a lot less immunocompromised as well, generally healthier and all that sort of thing. We just have a huge aging population. Like you know. That's true. That's the other thing. With Italy, the other thing pe people forget about Italy, you can do, you can go back and forth about when they lock down and whatever and all that. But you've, I think there's something like one in every five or one in, or two in every five people, e even above the age of 30 or 35, lives with their, their parents or grandparents in Italy. So you have a very large cross-sectional, sort of cross-generational uh, infection rate there and people have a much more active social life in Italy they see their grandparents and parents all the time so I think in that case there was a lot of um, cross-generational infection in Italy mm. so 
yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what what yeah the final outcome like once it's all said and done, and once there there has been research and that done on it, like which countries did too much and which didn't do enough kind of thing, and that because yeah, I guess at the at the moment it's too early to call um call yeah um so how how are you keeping yourself busy during this locked lockdown like listening to a lot of podcasts netflix yeah netflix um obviously i've got a lot of software development to do but also just when i'm not coding you know i'm pretty avid avid gamer so i've got a lot of gaming to catch up on that I've been catching up on. So I'm actually kind of grateful in that way. So a lot of video games, a lot of uh, reading. So, yeah. You know, that's time well spent then. <laughs> um, I know like from me, I've jumped on Netflix as well and like rewatched series that, yeah, you know, like back from childhood kind of thing. Like, I don't know, did you ever watch the 70s show? Oh, I love that 70s show. <laughs> So yeah, I've been we've me and my wife watch that now like every evening. Um, yeah, it's I I love it as well. And uh, the other one I've been watching is uh, Prison Break. Oh yeah, I don't uh, know if you ever watched that. I never did, but I see a friend Roman Kavanagh. He's got his hairstyle pretty similar to to Wentworth yes. Miller these days. Yes, he does. He's got that kind of look. <laughs> that that, um, that look in the grey photo and the short hair. Like I was like, okay, but if that's how you want to do things. But yeah, well, it's quite a good series if you enjoy stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I think the first they did do like a a remake or a kind of a an additional season, like I think a year or two ago, um, but it wasn't the same. Um, so the first two seasons were probably the, the best. Um, and then I, I haven't started the, or I've seen it being quite popular and that the, the Tiger King. Um, oh yes. As have I, I, I still <laughs> got to get through the last episode, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Is it, is, is it worth watching? It is. It is worth watching. Okay. I'll, I'll try to give that a go this weekend as well then. Um, I've seen a lot of the Carol Baskin, Hillary Clinton memes, which is, and, and Tiger King, Donald Trump memes, which I just thought were hilarious. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I think a lot of people are on, on the internet or on their phones and whatnot during this, this time. So you do get a lot of content when it comes to memes as well, I guess. Um, but is there anything else you, you worthwhile talking about? Uh, worthwhile talking about well for starters just to backtrack um i just want to say how incredibly against the authoritarian measures i am of the south african government i mean they're now talking about monitoring our phones they're they're shooting dogs in the streets i mean and and a lot of my friends are sort of like are sort of like it's for our own good and i'm like at what point do they need to intrude so much that you realize that for our own good isn't worth it anymore? That's that's my thing. Yeah, I think as well, like, you know, I, I saw, I think it was, yeah, Ramon in his uh, morning shot video this morning was speaking about the, yeah, the South African government being able to pretty much monitor and track you on your, via your cell phone, um, even though it is illegal. Um, and I see, I saw about an hour or two later that, 
some some measures in the UK were also being uh, proposed and vetted kind of thing, uh, where, yeah, you, if you, you, pretty much the same, yeah, the, that the government could track your cell phone um, and that, which is a huge invasion of privacy. Um, and yeah, quite scary to think about. Yeah, I mean, we had a whole podcast episode with John McAfee about this and privacy and yeah. It, I watched uh, that. It's a pretty wild episode. <laughs> he is he's a pretty wild guy. It's just that, that must have been amazing to interview him. Oh yeah, especially as a computer scientist. It it really was. Uh I, I'd vote for him just for the wild ride. I mean, America's already got Donald Trump as president. Like, why not John McAfee? Like we've already sort of pulled the trigger on that. Let's let's go the whole hog. Yeah, he might as well just like yeah. Like you say, let's see, see what can happen. Um, make it a, an experiment for four years. See what he can yeah. do. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's my main thing. And then, in a sort of social context, I think that, ironically, I mean, I made a tweet about I, I've started dressing sort of very 1920s style again. I did it as a meme. I, I know you follow me on, on Instagram. I did it as, as a meme at first. But now it's ironic how much like the 1920s everything has become. So I'm really hoping we also see a roaring 20s recovery of the economy that we've just effectively killed on account of a virus that could have been much more contained had certain nations been a little bit more honest with us and the world, you know, at the start. So, yeah. You don't have to mention names there. (laughs) the the exact countries that you're talking about uh i I think everyone knows which country you're talking about um but yeah what actually that brings up one thing that i thought of now um what obviously there will come a point where you will have to say like yeah the economy is dying um it, it basically is currently dying now because of this lockdown um at what point do you say okay we to get the economy going, we just need to work again. So you just like, okay, accept the risk and just carry on working. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, at what point? And that's that's one of the things I've sort of been hopping on 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 social media is guys, listen, the fact that I'm worried about the economy doesn't mean that I don't care about grandma or I don't care about poor people. It's sort of a false dichotomy to say you either care about one or the other, because ultimately the economy is the people. If you do not think that business is closing, especially small, medium and micro enterprises, because Starbucks is not going to fold over this. If you think the economy crashing is not going to affect things like breakups, divorces, crime, especially violent crime, uh, the rate of drug and other substance abuse, suicide, the the, the cohesion of of, um, sort of communities, then you're crazy. It's definitely going to affect that. So worrying about the economy is most certainly worrying about the people. It's just worrying about them further down the line. And I think that within the next, and, and, and I would watch very carefully which politicians and other uh, sort of major figures are, are concerned about the economy because to me those are the people that really care and I think within you know sort of just after Easter type type period a lot of countries are going to have to be like listen we have to figure out what we're going to do from here and I hope that we do open things up again because I think as soon as we hit herd immunity because I think we'll hit herd immunity before we get a before we get a vaccine as soon as we hit that, if you didn't, I think we're going to see humans be humans. You know, if, if is, we're going to see sort of um, alcohol and, and party based debauchery 
similar to that of after we celebrated winning the Second World War, because that's what people are going to do. They're going to be happy that we that we're alive and that we're around. So we're going to have parties. And I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't like nine months down the line, a generation of Corona boomer babies just from the debaucheries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, it's gonna, the hospitals are going to be busy for a diff- different reason. Than, yeah, for very different reasons. <laughs> um, yeah, I was looking at or one article on that saying that obviously in America, there's what, like over 6 million people that have filed unemployment over the last like month. Um, it's like the worst in history and some people predicting that it'll get as bad as like 30% unemployment in the, in the US, um, which... I don't know if it'll get that bad. Um, that, that's quite high. Um, but you kind of wonder, as well for South Africa, it, it already had a high unemployment before this. Um, what's it un- its unemployment going to look like after the coronavirus? Um, and yeah, South Africa can't afford um, to be shut down for a long period of time. I think for South Africa, yes, it's going to increase the unemployment, but not by as much as people think. Because unfortunately, what I think is going to happen based on the way the quote-unquote lockdown has been going is that this thing is going to ravage the townships and you're going to see an incredibly high, if they decide to release it, rate of fatalities. If it's, I mean, even if it's only half as deadly as a flu, you're going to see a fairly high, I mean, sorry, even if it's only two or three times as deadly as the flu, you're going to see an insanely high death rate. And that death rate will be something like the Black Plague after the Black Plague where, um, so yes, in South Africa, we'll have high unemployment because the economy crashes, but we'll also have a lot less people available to do jobs, sort of like in the Black Plague where, you know, it shifted Europe's economy because yeah, uh, things folded, but all the serfs were dead. And so, you know, the value of labor went up immensely. So I think we will not we, we will see our unemployment rate sort of offset by our death rate, which is sad, but a weird way to look at offsetting it. Yeah, uh, it's, it is a very likely and possible uh, outcome and scenario to this, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I guess time will tell. And yeah, the sooner this all passes over, the better, I guess, for everyone's sake. Yeah. I think okay. uh, to to just to last point to loop it up for you, for you thing. I think to help the economy is to sort of while you're here sitting locked down since half of the world is is locked down. Hopefully, assuming you're in a place where the government isn't too restrictive with sort of startup laws and business laws and all that. Chat to your friends and think about some sort of business or something you could start up or some side hustle you could start up once this is over because there will be opportunity. And I think that's part of the silver lining you can take from this is that there will be opportunity once this is done. And when and when we get out there, people are going to want to go out and buy clothes and buy ice cream and buy safari experiences, whatever. We're going to want to live again. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you enjoy the content, please remember that you can support the, the podcast uh, via Patreon. And the link is below. And all support is welcome uh, and muchly appreciated.